Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, I got my homeboy on the show. He grew with me since I was a boy to a man. Everybody give it up for Vizel Obama himself, Mr. Virgil G. What's going on, sir? Nothing much, sir. How you doing this evening? Man, I want to thank you for coming on the show coming to give some gems. You know, we all about those gems about manhood, trying to make this basic training for manhood a regular thing across the world. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to, to grace your platform. <laughs> blessed, blessed to be here. Man, we, we're honored. We're honored. Let's get this thing started. Let's get this show on the road. The first question I ask everybody, what person did you meet or see that drove you towards the person you are today? Man, uh, my uncle, Irvin Gatson, uh, was a, a real big catalyst in my life. He, uh, he showed me that outside of the small town that I grew up in, there's a big world out there. He was in, uh, in the army. He was an army ranger, actually. Jumped in Somalia, did a bunch of tours and stuff around the world he was a person that that showed me there's there's more to life than than where we are Irving Gatson great man miss him dearly Mr. Irving Gatson did he drop any gems on you any affirmations that said yeah, yeah. God fearing man God fearing man he he prayed he prayed over he prayed over us, me and my siblings, my mother, his sister. And he told us, he told us, you can be anything that you want to be in this world. You can, you can go anywhere you want to go. You just have to drive. You have to be able to buckle down and, and make the hard decision to do so. Quitting is easy. Quitting is the easiest thing that can be done. Anybody can give up. The hardest thing to do is to keep pushing. And he told me that he, he instilled that in me. Just drive for what you want, talk, no talk matter how hard it is. Talk to me about that road you're talking about here. What what moment, what avenue, what street, what road did you drive down that led to your success? What was it? Give us give us a story about something you decided to drive on. Give us the Man, time. To, give us wait. Hold on a second. You know, give us the time. The tires broke down. The engine needed you know, oil. And where, where were you going? Tell us. Man, listen. Out of the illustrious South Carolina State University, shout out to the Bulldogs. I was uh, bestowed with a task coming home to tell my family. I was working at Nike and worked for Nike for for eight years, eight years. And I needed a change, bigger change. And, and I, everything that, that was going on at the time, was it was just a frustrating time for me. Pivotal point in my life to decide what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. And will this current career that I am take me there? And I made the decision, no, the hardest thing that happened to me in that time, I, I I quit my job, quit the job, 
Like they was like, "Are you nuts? You're you're gonna just leave this this job that's that's paying you well, you get to go places and travel and all of this stuff." I'm like, "Yes." I was having you know, Sheem. You know I love shoes. Love shoes. <laughs> you know I love shoes. That was just that was almost the end all be all for me. But that wasn't it for me. So I, I, I left my job. I wait, wait, let, let's rewind. Let's stop right there. You got to, because we got to break it down for, for the for the next generation and the generation now and the generation after and before us. How did you get to this conclusion? Why did you feel that it needed to change? Like, what gave you the strength? Can you break it down? Some of the things you did to reach that goal to say, I'm going to step out. I'm going to change. You know, I think that us as human beings, men, Black men, we need to challenge ourselves to go outside of the box. Get out of our comfort zone. As soon as you leave your comfort zone, you'll realize that it's not that bad. I can do this. Whatever you put your mind to, you can do. You got to give us us an example when you stepped out. I became became complacent. I was good. I was like, this is a cakewalk. No. I woke up one morning, it was like, you know what? Really, I literally woke up one morning and was like, I need to do something else. My legacy could be something else. I wasn't comfortable anymore. I made myself uncomfortable because at the end of the day, we all have that choice to make. So, that decision was made. I quit my job. Quit my job. And I went out on a whim. And I am in a in a, in a field that has nothing to do with the degree. Nothing to do with retail. I work for a cellulose fiber company. A, a powerhouse globally. And, well, international paper. I'll say that. And uh, yeah, I wanted to challenge myself, broaden my horizons, and try something else. And now I'm happy. I'm happy with the decision that I made because what I know now, just from being there, because we go through all of these, and we think that, oh, some of these classes that we take while we're in college, they're just frivolous, it's biology chemistry. I was a business management major. I worked in a chemical lab. Biology. I've worked with the the EPA. So challenge yourself. Strive to be better. You know, one of the the four agreements is to always do your best, right? So I guess half times when you when you're in college, that class you don't want to take that's not in your curriculum, you should still strive to get an A or retain some of that knowledge, even though most of the time we don't retain certain things. But you spoke about you spoke about blindly quitting the job. And we want to reinforce everybody that it's okay to have a plan also to be calculated. Yes. I want to speak to you about do you have a vision board? Yes, I do. But my vision board is not for me. My vision board is for Cordell. You know, because these kids now, you know, the way 
everything is being placed in front of them. He wants to be an athlete. And I can wholeheartedly understand that. He wants to play basketball. But I told him, I was like, the steps that we take for you right now is to push you to what you want to do, what you what you love. But you have to have education. You have to have something to fall back on. You have to immerse yourself in any and everything that could potentially make you a better person, a better man. The more you know, the more you grow. Right? You know, I say, I say to anybody who says who wants to play basketball, like be a professional athlete, I think first you need to love the entire game of basketball. Exactly. I think that's the, I think that is the new tool that we have to drop on our kids because now that ex, that ex, expands the opportunity for them to make it, right? If you love the yeah. entire game of basketball, you can be a general manager. You don't have to play in the NBA. You don't you have to a, play exactly. If you love the entire game of basketball, you can be an assistant coach. If you love the entire game of basketball, you can be a trainer. If you love the entire game of basketball, you can be a film editor. If you love the entire game of basketball, Everybody's not going to make it to the floor to play, but not. there are so many nuances if you love the entire game of basketball. And I think we have to change that narrative. It's okay to want to be a great basketball athlete, but if you're not educating yourself on the entire frame of basketball, then life after basketball for you will not make you happy because you won't be a part of basketball as a whole. As a whole, you're correct, but see, I'm trying to propel him to not even play basketball, own the franchise, be the owner. You love it. You got to talk about how you get there. You got to talk about how you get there. Everything is work. It's work. It just, it's not thrown in your lap. We don't have that luxury. Some of us don't have that luxury. Some people are given everything. We're on a different spectrum. It's work. You put in that work, you gain that knowledge, you go out there, you go out into that world, and you make something of yourself. And then your your, your dreams that you aspire to be a basketball player, they may not, they may not, they may not work. That may fizzle out. But guess what? You have all these other tools and 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 constructs that can make you an owner. Okay. We can go way further than throwing a ball, shooting a ball, and entertaining people. We can be owners, doctors, lawyers, all of these things. We need to speak all of that stuff onto our children outside of just running the ball and shooting the ball. And that's my vision board for him is, all right, that's what you want to aspire to be, an athlete. I want you to be this. And this is what we're going to do. Like Cordell is now playing the saxophone. Cordell has to, he, I give him options. Me and Dale give Cordell options on the things that he wants to do. Something that is going to stimulate his mind outside of playing Fortnite and wanting to shoot a ball, you know? <laughs> so, immersing your children in all of these activities and getting them more cultured outside of their normal constructs is what I'm shooting for. So I told him, if you're not going to be a basketball player, what would you be? 
Big question mark. Boom. Talk, he he writes about, what he wants. We talk about leaving legacies, but yeah. we mostly ignore some of the major steps. The question I have for you today, do you have a will? Yes. I have a will. It's it's a funny thing. This this is probably gonna sound blasphemous. My my funeral is already paid for. That burden is is not for anybody else. I'm dying. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel. I'm dying. We're all dying. But from my experience with my my family, the older people in my family, we have to check. We have to make sure they have the right type of insurance. No junk policies, things of that nature. And you have to communicate. That's that's another flaw that we have. We don't we don't communicate with each other when we need to. The necessity, I mean, the time to do that is now in the present, not when things get bad. Because it's always a guesstimation about what's going on. My funeral is already paid for. Danielle knows that. My sister knows that. I have a will. And when it comes time to me to demise, I'll choose whomever's going to be the power attorney over my estate. But it'll be handled already. Everything is already where it's supposed to be. Do you do so, you think question for you? Do you think that the main reason why people don't go towards what you said, we pay for mostly everything else all our lives, but we leave our funeral debt mostly to people. Do you think people are just scared of the topic of death? And this is why they don't prepare for it? I think people just in general or us in general don't prepare. We just don't prepare. Just prepare at all for anything. At all. At all. Like Drawing up a will is important. If you have assets, anything of that nature, drawing up a will is important. Having those things in place and having adequate insurance to cover your expenses is important. Do you realize the average funeral is five to $7,000? I've had to pay for two out of pocket because they didn't have insurance. Didn't know. Did not know. Death happens. Death happens just like that. Sometimes you know. Sometimes people just drop off. Hate to say it, but it is what it is. No. That's, that's most certainly the biggest reality that death is going to come. But it's yet, never we, not, we deny coming. the opportunity to be prepared. These are conversations that we need to have. You, if you, you love your family members, you cherish them, you have to have those conversations. It might seem tough, you might want to put it off, but you have to have those conversations. When my nieces were born, all three of them, the first thing I did, mutual funds for each and every last one of them. Bang, 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 bang. Done deal. You will have, when you become... 21, you can touch it. You got to start doing things like that for Stop buying baby Jordans and all this. Mutual funds, bonds, stop. Get these type of... Get these type of things to procure a little nest egg for your future, for the children. Do that. Talk to, me about, talk to me about being a younger man. Uh, 
talk to me about being a man. When should I get oh. serious about women? I'm old now, man. Man, but talk we to got me. Grades. I talk, got grades. Talk to me about <laughs> when. Talk to me about when. If you were giving a young man advice, when should he get serious about women? When when should that be the number one priority in his life? Some like to go through the struggle. When you get established, when you get established, you know exactly what you want. But some people can struggle together and build. Me, giving a younger person advice or relationship with whomever they choose to be with, you know, that's the world that we're in now. Whomever mm-hmm. they choose to be with, male or female or whatever they want to, whatever they want to call themselves or whatever. Um, when you establish yourself, when you establish yourself and you're stable and you know exactly what you want, then you can make that decision on, on relationships. Me, you know how, Sheen, you know how, how this reckless, toxic behavior. I love it. It's passion to me. <laughs> so I'm different. I'm different. But yeah, establish yourself. Know what you want and stick with it. And that's the problem that I believe that we have now. This We have a microwave society of people. And, and, and social media gives us complete access to everybody. So you're seeing all of these things that are that are just thrown out to you. Oh, I like this. I like this. Like you don't know, and it makes it difficult for people to make a decision and choose. They think it's cool to be with this person and that person, but this person and that person might not be right for you because you're not right for yourself yet. Because you don't know yourself. You haven't established yourself. You know. Talk to me about your lowest moment in your life. Where you oh, man. Talk to me about how'd you get up. Talk to me why'd you get up, but how? We're speaking to the people lowest. that need to know how to get up from your experience. Lowest, lowest, lowest moment. Lowest moment. And how did you get up? Man, uh... I haven't told anybody. I'm going to tell you. But uh, lowest moment, I was actually here, well, on site in Port Wentworth, Georgia, at work. My great aunt, she uh, she lost her life in a house fire. This, this Wesley Gatson, hold her dear, dear to my heart dear to my heart and to get a phone call this is the lowest point of my life because I didn't know what I was going to do like you know they said the, the older people are, are the glue the foundation of our family we lose them and we, we lose everything that was my that was at that time that was my everything and uh, I recall just you know getting the call and just going numb because I know that I knew she was in that house. I knew she was in there. And uh, I drove out there and, you know, EMS, firefighters, officers, everybody's on the scene. And they're just, they, they just painted some narrative like, pretend she went for a walk and she's not in there. Mm. I couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? I knew she was in there. And my first instinct was to go run into this house that's 
burnt to the ground. It's burning to the ground. Um, <laughs> my cousin Curtis passed away also uh, as of two years ago. He was outside and he was crying. I've never seen this dude cry in my life. Lowest point, red, a crumble, boom. What are you going to do now? Because I was taking care of her. What are you going to do now? House gone, she's gone. And I'm just thinking, what am I going to do? Like, literally, like, what am I going to do? This is where I come for my solidarity. If I needed advice. Mm. And, and it's not, you know, everybody think your lowest point when you're dead broke. My lowest point was when I couldn't have the person that I used as my confidant, my my stone, my my wall to talk to was gone. That shit broke me. It broke me, man. It broke me. And nobody could console me. Nobody could, and you know how that how that goes. Nobody could console me. Nobody could tell me anything because I was just, I was lost. And a lot of us, we, we, we move around lost. And I think that us as men, we need to find or speak to one another because who do we turn to? When you things talk, like that happen. You talk, you, know, leader, you talk in leader talk. When you're a leader of your circle. Yeah. And you give yeah. everyone else advice and love on how to live. They don't have time to listen to you when it's your turn. Because don't. they don't expect that from you. Listen. So what, what did you do? How did you get out of that? What did you tap into? What new source did you find? Man, look, man. It took, it took me a while. It took me a while. Because you know me. I believe in aliens. You know how I get down. I believe in aliens. You know that. You know I believe in aliens. So... Thinking there's a higher power above me because that's what you know. Baptist, these this is the South, South Carolina, Baptist, Bible mm -hmm. Belt. That's that's how I grew up. And, and anything outside of that was <laughs> crazy to, to them. But to me, no. So I just took everything that she told me, instilled in me. And I just used it. I used it. And, and depression is a real thing. I was depressed. I was depressed because, you know, black families have turmoil. It sounds so cliche, but mine does. I had a lot of turmoil with, with everybody because I had to take on the role and I had to bear all of the burdens financially I have nobody to talk to nobody to talk to I literally had to move I, I literally had to move to pool I moved to pool everything that I, that I owned had out there was gone it was no reason for me to be there I moved to pool I, I thought about everything that she said I just applied it got myself up every day I would just say a good word. She said, just say a good word when you wake up in the morning and you just carry that through your day. No matter what it is, 
If it's a smile that you gotta think about, if it's a joke, you do that. You carry that through your day and you don't let anything change that. Mm. Because we vibe, you know, we vibe. You can feel it. You can feel tension. It's like it's like when when, when you got beef, you can feel it. Something ain't right. It ain't right. So I, I kept I try to keep a good vibe about myself and smile and, and exude that upon my whole surroundings. It made me feel better. You know, I, I mean, I think of it. It's funny what you say, what we can learn from. I seen a movie called You Got Served with BT. Yeah. And a lot of people, why do you see that movie? Well, it was a dance movie. I like hip hop, blah, blah, blah. But in that film, I got a gem from Steve Harvey. He said, it's okay to be sad and hurt, but you can't sit and wallow in your misery for too long. Yeah. So for You're the not. people out there who need to reset, go ahead and do that. Go reset, please. Words of Jermaine, Mr. Mr. J.D. Scott that was on that came on this show. He said, you can rest, but you cannot quit. Cannot quit. I just wanted to drop that. We appreciate that gem right there. That was a real oh, yeah. testimony of getting back up, taking something that makes you smile and make you take you back to a mental place to hold on to that, your happy place, like Happy Gilmore. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to your happy place. Got to go to your happy it. place. Got to have it. How important is it to leave where you're from and rebranding yourself? It's very important. It's very important. Like I said, like my uncle told me, man, this world is big. It's big. It's Go out there. Make yourself. Make yourself what you want to be. Everybody proclaims to be a boss. Go out into the world. Leave your turf. Go somewhere else. Establish that. Put your stuff everywhere. Put it everywhere. Don't water it down. Put it everywhere. When they see you, they know what you... They know what you're about. And, and, and it couldn't even, it doesn't have to be financially. Morals, ethics, intelligence, just being a good human being. That right there alone sometimes sets a ball so high that people will have to respect you. You know, you, you had you had a little slogan, you know, I treat the, I treat the the janitor the same way I treat the CEO. Yeah. So leaving, leaving where you're from and establishing yourself is important. Or you can do it at home, you know, but still just make sure, make sure that you establish yourself. Because you gotta think it's outside of us. It's more than just us, family, kids. That's important, yo. It's important. That's important. And me, go ahead. When you speak about rebranding yourself, tell me the moment that you reached an apex of one of your goals that you sat there and said, I did it. I did it. What was the apex for you? We asked you about your low. We have to hear about your high. Give me a high. I know you still got way more to go. I know you got more victories out there with your name on it. But give me something that was like, I did it. Well, Going into a new work environment for me, I tried to just completely absorb everything. So my first year, I did little training programs, classes, 
got OSHA certified, all these other things. Boom, boom, boom. I said, well, I'm going to challenge myself, putting for a day shift promotion. Pretty much, we worked swing shift at that time. Hmm. So I'm going to challenge myself to do this. So the criterias were way out there for me at the time. I said, you know what? You already here. You've made it this far. Buckle down. Study. Endless, endless hours. No sleep. And I'm working 12-hour shifts. And I'm over another six hours reading and going over. And I, and I annoyed. I know I did. I annoyed every person that I could of a management, this, that, and third. Just to put my face out there. Things that I wasn't accustomed to doing. I'm a big guy anyway. Mm-hmm. I had to shave my beard. I was like completely against that. I did I did everything that I would never have done before to get where I'm at right now. I put it for the promotion, got the promotion. Mm. Our job is by certs. So my first year, put it for the promotion, got the promotion, and did like six certs in two years. That was damn near unheard of. Part of my language. In that industry. And where I'm at, Southeast Georgia, on site, and I want to say I want this to go over crazy, but I could count the amount of black people on my hands and toes Mm. at that time. It seems like you sacrificed a lot. One of my questions is what did you sacrifice, but you already answered everything. You sacrificed your time, your image, your look. What you were conditioned to be from the neighborhood. And I love my beard. <laughs> I love my beard. Yeah. <laughs> so you go, so so let's back. go through the things you sacrificed. You sacrificed sneakers. I know you love yes. sneakers. Sacrifice sneakers. You sacrifice your beard. You sacrifice my beard. I sacrifice my time. But see. And you're here because you had to go learn something new that people held over you for not having the knowledge about until you until you caught up. That's right. That's right. And now I have my beard and nobody can tell me nothing. <laughs> See how the world Absolutely. works? See how the world works? So you got to put in the work. Sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable sometimes. But I promise you, once you get through that, oh man, you can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. Keep pushing, yo. I tell everybody, don't quit. Quitting is the easiest thing to do, yo. Quitting is the easiest thing to do. I tell everybody, yo, I carry, I carry a lot. I carry a lot of burdens. That don't mean it's not heavy. Mm. It may look light, but it's it's heavy though. You gotta so, earn. You, you gotta earn your wings. You gotta earn them. You gotta earn them. You gonna come out there? You gonna talk like you gonna? You gonna be the next thing? The next best thing, like, since pants with pockets, guess what, man? You got to show, improve. You got to put in that work. You got to do it. Talk to me so about everything. Talk to me about mentoring and fatherhood. Talk to me about how do I approach a man I have problems with? Man, yo. That in itself. Communication is, is 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 definitely is definitely the root of that. So 
I would say if you have a problem with somebody, try to talk it out. Try to see that person's side of the story. Mentoring, that's important, man, because we all we all want for the younger generation, our kids, to be better than we are. Not go through the things that we have went through. So that in itself is a job. It's not it's a job. That is a job. Let me ask you a question real quick. This is kind of yeah. off, off topic. I'm starting to think that tapping into the right source is not the kids. I'm starting to think the right source is the person who spends 20 plus hours with a kid versus your hour if you were a big brother. I'm starting to think that these parents and these guardians are the true sources we need to change even though that road would be a lot harder to change someone who is already settled in, because I think that's when the matriculation happens. I think it trickles down to the kids. If you go snatch a kid out of his environment, as soon as he comes back to that environment, he will conform back to that environment. But if you go ahead of that environment and they change, eventually the kid will fall in line to what the top tier environment is. Should we start mentoring parents, programs for parents? Because there's not a lot of things for adults to grow themselves unless they pay for college education, unless they pay for a therapist, unless they get on government assistance. Is there any initiative programs unless they have a drug problem for just a regular adult who fell through the cracks, who probably still can't read, who still doesn't have the knowledge. They can read, but they just don't have the knowledge to get resources. That would be a wonderful program. I agree with you 100% on that. I do think that needs to happen. Because, man, every situation or, or, or every situation is different. But if there was a cookie, a cookie cutter mold for parents to all go by, guess what? We'd be living in a utopia. We wouldn't have to worry about jack squat. We know these kids will go out in the world and be successful, but that's not the case. Some of the kids, they only know what they see at home. Like you said, they're gonna they're gonna revert back to what they know, and what they know is what the parents are doing. Which, which, have lead, done. which leads me into my next question: Should there, just like you spoke of your uncle being in the military? And they have basic training in the military. Should there be a basic training for our kids, especially young black boys, to where they pass a certain spe a basic, special, basic training levels that we implement in our own communities? We got street code. We got hood code. But we don't have basic yeah. level survival codes for the what the world's going to oppress you with. We don't talk about... We don't do mockings of being pulled over by police we don't do information about stocks and mutual funds as you talked about this should be a basic level of knowledge given to every child and this way if we run across children who have not had the opportunity to learn how to read or learn how to do things we can fix the problem there i believe this should be a basic level of basic training 
going on in the community on a military level for young black youth. I agree with you 100%. I believe what you were saying, I believe money management should be a core course across the board in schools. I believe that if we as a community got together, say, hey, look, kids, these are the basic constructs that will make you or break you. Etiquette. Punctuation. Being on time. Reading. Reading and retaining the knowledge. Reading, retaining, and repeating the knowledge to the other you. The ones that are younger than you. That look up to you. Because you know, we all, like you said, we got hood rules. We got hood superstars. We got we got kids that look up to the neighborhood block boy. Because he flashy. He getting money. He doing all this. But what if that neighborhood block boy was a financial consultant? And the only thing that he knew was stocks and bonds. And he taught all of the kids stocks and bonds. We don't have that. That's what we need to start doing. We need to start immersing ourselves in, in all types, in all aspects of financial literacy. Let me speak to you about that real quick. Yeah. We got hood superstars. In yeah. my mind, in my, in my difference in mind, we have our communities who have these mayors, especially like South Carolina. They have mayors in almost every area. We have representatives in every area. I would love to see our people educate themselves enough to take the hood superstar and throw him in Congress. And he take his goons and they go to Congress and they take that same mentality they use to get money on the street, use to make change for our community because they can get money in Congress legally. They can work and coincide with the DA legally. And now it changes things for us in terms of what our community could look like. Because it, it could be so much better if there, there's always going to be some type of violence. There's always going to be some type of monetary gains due to drug activity. But it, but it can always, it, all that can be managed, right? Let's, in a realistic society, it could be managed where this guy's getting his money, but hey, Thanksgiving, certain days, I'm not going to do anything. Where my crew is not going to do nothing out here. Just catch me if you can, but we're going to have, because people act like all these people don't sit at the same table. If we they really want to take it back in history where, where, where the CIA flooded our neighborhoods with, with, with drugs, that means yeah. our main drug dealer that we love so much is sitting at the same table with the sheriff, and they all talking about what they're going to do. So since we know this, why haven't we gotten up as people? Are we too oppressed to worry about pressing? Man, this day and time, man, it, it's it's so crazy that we are distracted by everything. We're distracted about by everything. Like, think about this. Well, you, you're out of the country. I could ask anybody here, who's your local representative? Your, your local representative. Who, who is it? Who's your local rep? Crickets. You wouldn't know. 
So if you don't know who that is, how do you know that they have your best interests at heart or in mind at all? They don't. This big wave of vote with intelligence, don't vote with your heart or don't vote because I'm black, you should vote democratic, all this other stuff. It kind of sort of makes sense because we just go out and we give things away. Or we don't care to to go over here and say, hey, this is not right. We need to make a change. It's always an outrage when, when shit goes, poor my language, when things go completely left. It's too late. You could have made these changes already. But you don't know who your rep is. They don't even look like you. They don't live where you live. They don't even have to come to your side of town if they don't want to. They, they can just live their lives willy-nilly, free, <laughs> while you struggle. You think you know what, what I'm saying? You know what? You know what's so interesting about what you said? If anyone's seen that movie, Lean On Me, with Morgan Freeman, there's, yeah. a, there's a black lady in that film who threatens the mayor saying, I, my community will shut you down. Imagine she had that same fire, not against Joe Clark, but against the powers that be. If we said, hey, if you guys don't fix our streets, give us adequate books and roads, we're gonna vote somebody, we're gonna vote our homeboy in down the street. We're gonna he, vote him in. He's gonna come in there as ignorant as possible and take over. Cause listen, you can, people get money for campaigns, but you, you can't make someone vote for you. You can only insinuate, you can only manipulate. You should vote for me. But if the people are fed up and they say, hey, we're gonna vote Vizel in, he's going in and we're gonna fix the problem. We can actually do that, but I don't think people understand the power of community. Like, they don't understand the power don't of community. Know who their neighbors are or haven't seen their neighbor in years. And in they years. Right next door. That's how it is. That's that's how it is. Like I say, the only time we get together, and, and it's only for a short time, when it's a tragedy, because there's another one that's probably happening, and you're going to be distracted by by that and not focus on exactly what you need to focus on. And we build a strong community, unity, and collectively go and fight for anything and everything that we want. Collectively, because you've seen the polls, I've seen the polls, and they do demographics. They know who's voting. They know who's not voting. They know it. And they count, they bank on that. They bank on that every every time. So, I mean, once you understand, or once we all understand that we do have the power, we the people do have the power. If we all go out collectively and get on the same page, we can get things accomplished. We can get it done. I got We've a seen question it. For you. Question for you. Yes, sir. Conspiracy question. Oh, yeah. You know I'm all about that. Yeah. As much as they pan and advertise for the black vote, but we're only 13% of the population, do you think the media is lying about how many other people really exist in our country more than us? Do you think 13% is a lie? Because if if it, if our 13% is not even one third of what they have, others have, why is every outlet, news outlet, coming for our vote? 
Dude, you got to think about it. We are the buying power of the economy. Black people. Mm-hmm. So that 13% is a lot. It's a it lot. Is. 33% is a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother ball game. Of people who actually vote and don't uh, have oppressed yeah. situations. So when they when they say other now, and I'm just going to say it, the Hispanic vote is the Hispanic vote is the actual swing vote. Mm-hmm. They will sway, and they know it. It's been it's already been projected. Yes, their vote will there's be more. There's more Hispanic, Hispanic people than black people. You know what I heard? I, I can't remember who said this. So I'm paraphrasing. They said the minorities are the real Americans. Black people are the real Americans because we're yeah, held. Because we we're, built we're this country. Here. Not even that. With it. not, it's a plus that, but we're also held to the American standard more than anyone else in terms of falling in line with the rules and what we should and should not do. We're penalized way more than any other culture. Exactly. You see that in the judicial system. Same crime. White person. Minimum charge. Black person. Maximum charge. It's ridiculous. There's a dude in in Mississippi right now who's been in jail for 25 years for stealing a pack of cigarettes. Come on, man. But this you know, is, this you is know the world we live in. There. there are black people out there that would say, well, he shouldn't have been stealing. <laughs> Listen, uh, granted, granted, you know, we've all done, we all, we've all done things we all make mistakes. Picture somebody going to picture somebody going to jail for twenty five years for stealing five airheads. Stealing five airheads in the nineties. For what, real, that's what that. Come is. on, man. So I mean, we we live this every day. It's not fair. It's not fair for us. And, and how are we going to change this ideology that this country has about us? When we built this country, they got to even the playing field. All of this, this bias, this, this, this division between races, it has to, it has to stop. You know, we and we have to stop accepting, accepting it. Stop being passive about it. You know, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, baby. You got to. We got to stop. We got to stop all of this, this foolishness. But, oh, that's just how they are. No, you don't got to accept that no more, man. It's it's 2020. We have murder audits. We got COVID-19. We got all this other stuff that they're trying to distract us with. We need to unify and stop. We got Atlanta Yeah, we got to stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to stop <laughs> accepting this stuff. and we Because we're desensitized to it now because we see it so much. You know, California just passed a bill of Karen Law. The Karen law for unjustly calling the police on a person of color. It's called the Karen law with a C, C A R E N. This is crazy, man. Because to them, calling the cops is like calling our executioner. Because they expect them to come out here and shoot somebody, shoot a black person, choke them to death, or do something crazy when they detain them. That's what they think is going to happen. Because they see it on the news. How do you educate Cordell, your son, about that? I tell Cordell to be regular. Be you. 
You got any problems, you come to me. I'll hash it out. Don't, you don't got to, because Cordell, you know, Cordell's a, a gentle giant, yo. But he a thug, though. Get on the basketball court, he a thug. Um, hash it out. Hash it out with me. I'll deal with it. I tell I'll deal with the time it. When you get pulled over or you deal with police, you're not in court. Not in court. I don't got nothing to say. Yeah, uh, I give you everything you want. License, registration, insurance, and then I shut up. I don't say nothing else. I ain't got nothing else to say to you. I got either you get a ticket, you get your ticket, and you go. That's right. That's it. That's it. Because yeah, ain't, so nothing, people ain't nothing for us to talk about. Some people try to argue like the the attorney, and you're not in court. I'm not what, doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Listen. I'm not talking to you. How you doing? I'm good. Here you go. <laughs> That's it. Here you go. No output. Here you go. That's you it. tell me. You, you tell, tell me. me. I, got right. I got nothing to say. Not nothing to say. I want to thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. Let's give it a round For of sure. applause to Mr. VG. Yeah. It's people thank like you me. who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. And we applaud you for your effort today. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's another episode of Solutions. It's your boy, MC. We appreciate y'all. Two fingers up. Blessings, brother. (laughs) Blessings, no doubt.